Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Disrupt Podcast. I'm Gabriella Mulligan. And I'm Tom Jackson. Every fortnight, Disrupt Podcast brings you all the latest news from the constant startup ecosystem, plus interviews with special guests. This week, we'll be digging into the numbers from our recently released African Tech Startups Funding Report 2020, which details a record-breaking year for the continent from an investment perspective. We'll also talk to Egoser Moigui of Echo VC Partners to hear more about the bumper $85 million funding round announced this month by Kenyan AI company Grow Intelligence. We'll get his thoughts on the wider scene too. But first, here's all the news from the last two weeks. relatively quiet fortnight was enlivened by a couple of major funding rounds. First and foremost was the $85 million round announced by the Kenya-founded data analytics company Grow Intelligence, which is by some way the largest funding round ever raised by an African tech startup, by our estimates at least. Founded in Nairobi in 2014, Grow is an AI-powered insights company that provides decision-making tools, solutions and analytics to the food, agriculture and climate economies and their participants. The company will be using the bumper funding round to accelerate its growth and global adoption of its platform, and we'll find out more about its plans and the story behind this deal later in the podcast. Also raising in style were a couple of Nigerian ventures. Daystar Power, a provider of hybrid solar power solutions to businesses, announced a Series B investment of $38 million to help it deepen its presence in various West African markets. The company's solutions, solar as a service and power as a service, provide clean and reliable power while significantly reducing clients' overall power costs. Meanwhile, EdTech startup ULesson, launched by Conga founder Sim Shagaya, raised a $7.5 million Series A round as it prepares to expand across Africa. Elsewhere, Ghana-based fintech startup Oze, which helps small businesses grow by digitizing their operations and providing them with access to affordable capital, closed a $700,000 seed round to grow its team and expand to Nigeria. North African startups continue to raise, with the last fortnight seeing rounds for Egyptian telemedicine platform Doxpert and e-commerce startup Opio as well as Tunisian companies NewGen and Mumi. South African crypto exchange Ovex also announced a strategic round of investment. Meanwhile, a number of African startups that have already secured capital have been putting it to good use. Nigeria's 54Gene unveiled its new lab in Lagos State, capable of human whole genome sequencing and a variety of other scientific investigations, while Autotech startup Autocheck launched an office in Accra, Ghana, as part of its Pan-African expansion plans. Tanzanian fintech startup Nala launched a new money transfer app in the UK aimed at servicing the needs of the East African diaspora in the country. Funding, however, dominated the news agenda over the last week as Disrupt Africa released the sixth edition of its annual African Tech Startups Funding Report. The publication, which details the investment received by companies on the continent over the course of the previous 12 months, tracks the growth in funding for tech startups and provides information on trends as to where that investment is going from a geographic and sector perspective. This year's edition of the report is available to everyone for free for the first time as part of an open sourcing initiative in partnership with Catalyst Fund, RTB House, Corona Capital, 4DI Capital, Velgro Africa, Lateral Capital and Ashundi Ventures. You can find information on how to download your copy on our website and social channels. But before you delve in, here are the key takeaways from the data. 2020 was the best year on record for startup funding in Africa with 397 startups raising 701 million US dollars in total funding. Both of these figures represent significant increases on 2019. The number of funded startups is up 28% and the funding total is 43% higher. 
The number of startups to secure funding has continuously increased each year since Disrupt Africa began publishing its annual funding report, while the total raised by these companies has increased year on year for the past five years. The number of active investors on the continent is also on the rise. The report counted at least 370 active investors in 2020, up 43% on 261 in 2019. That latter figure was in itself a 69% rise on the previous year, when 155 investors were listed. With a large range of institutional investors, VC firms, family offices and angels active in Africa, there's clearly an increasing confidence and interest in backing startups on the continent across all stages of the startup lifecycle. Where is that funding going? While as recently as 2017, we talked of a big three African tech investment destinations in the form of South Africa, Kenya and Nigeria, the emergence of Egypt over the last few years means there is now undeniably a big four when it comes to startup funding on the continent. A total of 307 startups from South Africa, Kenya, Nigeria and Egypt raised funding in 2020, accounting for 77.3% of the funded ventures. Together, they raised a combined 626 million US dollars, accounting for 89.2% of the Pan-African tally. For the second year running, Kenyan startups raised the most funding in 2020, securing a combined total of $191 million. In fact, this is the largest amount of funding ever achieved by a single African country in one year, though it was raised by relatively few ventures, with 59 Kenyan startups responsible. Home to the most funded startups and attracting the second largest amount of investment was Nigeria, with 85 startups raising a combined $150 million. South Africa ranked third for both metrics, with 81 startups raising a total of $143 million, while 82 Egyptian startups banked $142 million. The fact the majority of funded African ventures in 2020 heralded from just four countries does not mean there was not heightened levels of activity elsewhere. Indeed, the proportion of funded startups hailing from those four markets has fallen quite significantly, to 77% from 84% in 2019 as more startups than ever before from outside these leading markets are securing backing. In 2020, startups secured investment in 24 countries, a sizable leap on the 19 countries in 2019, 20 in 2018, and 18 in 2017. Ghana, as ever, was best of the rest, ranking as Africa's fifth most active market for yet another year. While 2020 was also a notable year for Tunisia, Uganda, and Morocco. The Ivory Coast, Senegal, Ethiopia, Zambia, Rwanda, Mali, Tanzania and Cameroon also all saw signs of progress in one respect or another. Madagascar appeared on the list for the first time and we also recorded rounds in Algeria, Benin, Chad, the DRC, Mauritius, Sierra Leone and Zimbabwe. Signs of progress then in less developed startup ecosystems on the continent from a funding perspective, with more individual companies raising money in these markets. Yet capital itself is increasingly drawn to the big four, a circumstance that is only being made more likely by the COVID-19 pandemic. The total amount of investment that went into startups from South Africa, Kenya, Nigeria and Egypt was 89% of the overall African tally, an increase on 88% in 2019 and 79% in 2018. So while investors are increasingly taking punts on startups in less developed startup ecosystems, those investing at bigger ticket sizes are continuing to focus on the big four. And in fact, this is a trend that is only increasing over time. Fintech was dominant from a sector perspective, with 99 startups raising investment over the course of the year, a quarter of the overall total. This was up almost 30% on the 77 ventures that raised in 2019, with Fintech's share of funded startups marginally increasing. The amount raised by Fintech companies jumped by almost a half to over $160 million, 
a figure that was 55% higher than the second place sector in this respect, e-health. Fintech then is demonstrably still the one to beat when it comes to what vertical is most attractive to Africa-focused tech investors. This is due to many factors. At least half of Africans still lack access to any kind of formal financial services, and many of those that do have access still count as underserved. Fintech startups across the continent are addressing these access challenges while the space is developing and maturing. We expect fintech to remain market leader from a sector perspective for some time to come, but that's not to say there have not been positive developments elsewhere. The overall growth in investment coming into African tech startups is by no means solely attributable to fintech, and in fact as growth is being outpaced by other verticals. Entertainment was the biggest growing sector in 2020, followed by recruitment and HR, e-health and e-commerce and retail tech. The latter two spaces are shaping up as the closest competition to fintech when it comes to attracting investment. The African e-commerce and retail tech sector has been among the continent's most volatile for some years, but now appears to be on a solid upward trajectory based partly on the emergence of the retail tech segment on the continent. 2020 saw 55 e-commerce and retail tech startups secure funding, up 77% on 2019 and second behind fintech in this regard. Those 55 startups raised a combined $88 million in funds, up 86% on the year before and ranking third overall. The e-health space, meanwhile, could be said to have come of age in 2020. In a breakthrough year, African e-health startups raised more funding in 2020 than they did in all of the previous five years combined. The sector powered into second place for total investment secured, banking $103 million, and third place for the number of ventures that raised with 41 startups backed. Elsewhere, less mature sectors can be forgiven for some uncertain steps, and even some steps back here and there. The logistics and transport spaces, for example, saw more startups receive funding, though the combined amount raised by those startups in each of these two areas declined. Agritech saw fewer startups raise more money than in 2019. These sectors are all making progress, but at this early stage of their development, it remains uneven. What is key is that there is impressive, if sometimes unsteady, progress on most fronts. All in all, 2020 was a great year from many perspectives. There is one potential spanner in the works, however, and it would be remiss not to address the COVID-19-shaped elephant in the room. The fact that more African tech startups managed to accumulate more funding than any year on record, even while a global pandemic raged, is a remarkable one, and the continent's startup and investor communities deserve credit for this. However, the true impact of COVID-19 on African tech startup funding may yet to be felt. The majority of the rounds that took place in 2020, especially those earlier in the year, would have been under discussion long before COVID-19 was even a phrase in our collective vocabulary. Moreover, funds have been raised, LPs have written checks, and capital, in most cases, was required to be dispersed. It may have ended up going into fewer startups than might otherwise have raised, at potentially larger ticket sizes, as investors look to minimise risk, but be invested it must. Raising a new fund in the current climate is another thing entirely, and we've already heard stories of funds delaying fundraising or investment plans being put on hold. Corporate budgets are in flux, development institutions may prioritise aid over investment, and signing up LPs to your latest African fund, given the risks that are inherent with relatively early stage investments in emerging market businesses, may yet prove much more challenging in 2021. We'll see. But for now, raise a glass to the successes of 2020, another record year for funding for African tech startups. There you have it then, all the key takeaways from our latest funding report, which is available for free for the first time. For details on how to download it, and the full list of 397 funded African tech ventures are available on our website or social channels. 2020 may have been the best year yet for startup funding in Africa, 
but there are some signs that 2021 may yet be able to match or even better it. In spite of COVID-19, big rounds are still happening, and there have been none bigger than the $85 million round announced recently by Kenya's Grow Intelligence, an African female-founded AI company. I caught up with Agosa Amoigui of EcoVC Partners, which co-led the round, to hear more about the company and the space in general. talking to you today about big news. You co-led the biggest funding round raised by an African startup that we have on record to date. That's, of course, Kenya's Grow Intelligence's 85 million uh, Series B, which was announced last week. Can you take us through that deal a bit? What was involved in the process and why Grow Intelligence? Grow Intelligence is an AI company that um, was set out to essentially disrupt the food and agriculture industry with the first mass market software platform that could power better and faster decisions about factors affecting the entire agriculture ecosystem, as well as factors affecting the intersection of climate and the ag ecosystem. And so what they do essentially is to amalgamate and structure and organize agriculture and climate data. You're then transforming it into you know, searchable information and then applying machine learning techniques to capture these complex data sets in an interactive manner and also powering the ability for customers to, to support, you know, decision support type platforms and predictive analytics. We, why did we do this, this, this deal? So we invested in the company three and a half years ago. Uh, we led the series A2 and we just co-led the series B. And Frankly, it was a combination of two things. One was the, a, an amazing founder in Saramenka, who's you know, probably one of the very best founders we've ever seen, and, and a very important vision uh, that sort of touches everybody and has very significant impact on, on an interaction that happens daily for everyone in the world, which is food. And what, what we realized as well was that how difficult a problem it was, why you needed you know, artificial intelligence to, to, to resolve and, 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 and the, the problem and deploy the software. Uh, but most importantly, you needed a, a founder that was simply had no fear. And, and those things in combination made this a no-brainer for us. And can you speak a bit, please, to the um, process of the deal? Like, what were the stepping stones? How did it come to this moment where last week you could say, great, we have this huge milestone uh, deal to announce? So the deal process was, was, was certainly interesting. Uh, a lot of different things, I think, came together. One, certainly what, what we had, starting from the Series A2 in 2017, was uh, an objective to continue to build out the, the platform. But what most people sort of don't see with, with, with artificial intelligence platforms is that they always have to be able to show that when they are matched against traditional approaches to knowledge, that they can, they can, one, do, do that analysis much quicker and can sort of reach scale in, in, in a very different way. And two, can be trustworthy in a lot of the output. And so what, what we then decided that, you know, 2017 was to support and fund that build out. And the company is five years old now. And, and so what things we saw in the process when we started sort of officially fundraising, which was, you know, a few months ago, was that, 
a lot of people were, were quite surprised by the quality of the, of the technology and its, its reliability, if I had to put it that way. Um, one of the challenges with AI platforms is, and especially with, with, the, with the team at Grow, and I remember telling the CEO this over and over again, is that they had made something incredibly complex look incredibly easy. And so that caused, I think, a few folks along the line to question whether or not it was real. Because they, they also thought, you know, we just can't, we, we can't believe that this can do X or it can do Y. And so over time, you know, we got, you know, a lot of folks who now started to say, wait, listen, this is important. But, you know, I think there was a, a fair amount of, of, of luck in the sense that while the CEO's vision was always about the intersection of ag and climate, uh, the, the fact that climate change has become such a front burner issue uh, certainly made it, you know, very important to, to, to a lot of uh, potential investors. And, you know, and, you know, in the end, it became an absolute scrum. You know, we were 2x oversubscribed. And, you know, and, you know, the CEO was always very intentional about, you know, you know mid- building out the right syndicate. And you will notice that the, 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 of the three co-leads, uh, two of them, you know, are led by women. That was also very intentional. Um, not the easiest thing to do because it was a Series B, and you don't find a lot of the a lot of women driving you know, investment decisions, you know, at that stage. Um, and of course, they needed to sort of have a good sense for what this company was going to be. Uh, but it, in the end, we, we were able to sort of capture the the right combination of syndicate members, and we're incredibly thrilled about the prospects for the company. So, just building upon your points, there, you've backed an AI-based. Uh, an AI-powered venture in Africa, which is relatively high-tech, sophisticated technology company. Uh, why do you find this such an at- attractive proposition? And, and in general, how do you see this space playing out in Africa over the coming few years? So why do we find it exciting? Well, because it is, right? It is, you know, we've always said that there are certain sectors where, you know, the addressable market is essentially the global population. And food and climate are two of those. And so to have a company coming out of Africa with deep tech, you know, targeting the intersection of food and climate uh, with you know, addressable markets in the you know, tens of trillions, um, is just in, is so exciting, I, I, I can't even begin to describe it. And then to have a founder you know, like Sarah, who's so focused on building a 100-year company and being you know, able to support her, her journey as well as the team's, you know, makes this a no-brainer. What do I think about what what's 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 behind this coming coming up? So AI has always been sort of set up as a you know first world type uh, you know opportunity, you know, and part of it as well is because you know one of the key dependencies it has is on accessible data, and so when you look at where Africa is, we have a lot of activity commercial activity, economic activity, but we don't have a lot of data in terms of sort of where it's been assembled and made available for AI and analytics. So that's the one thing we have to solve is how do we, you know, collate and, 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 and organize that data and structure it before we can sort of make it useful in decision support and the like in different sectors. And so that's what we're excited about, right? Who, who out there could do that and then sort of bring that you know, AI applicability to it. But that's what makes it really more difficult. But, you know, this is why 
a company like Grow has the opportunity to build very significant moats because very few people are in position to do what they've done. And if they're going to do it now, it's going to probably take them 10 years. So that's, that's why we're excited. And so Africa is still sort of wide open for that. We're excited about that. And we'll continue to look for those types of companies. Now, to raise such a milestone amount, that's kind of a lot of pressure on Grow Intelligence. Um, can you tell me, like, how wise is it for a company to, to go for that level of funding? And can you give us any dirt from the background? Like, what sort of KPIs are there at play in the background? How hands-on do you as investors want to be um, when you're committing to, you know, really getting on board for the, the bigger tickets? It's a great question. And what was important, even in framing this round, was use of proceeds. Sarah is a very disciplined CEO. Uh, she has been unbelievably capital efficient uh, to this point. Uh, one refrain that we heard a lot you know, in the Series B process was incredulity as to the quality of the platform, what it could do, for the amount of money that she had raised. Because people were comparing that to, you know, companies out in the Valley who had raised two, three, four hundred million dollars and, you know, were still, you know, peddling vaporware. And so that was also something she had to work through in the round process. You know, how did you build this with so little money? But it was always intentional for her. She always knew what she wanted to do and how she was going to do it. Now, of course, there's some issues around being a woman, you know, being, 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 you know, being of African descent and, you know, and, and the world of, you know, fundraising when it comes to, uh, you know, those two double whammies, if I may use th- that term. And so she, she was able to sort of deal with that. But the truth was, it wasn't, it wasn't an easy, straightforward, you know, straight line up into the right process. And, and, but she's always been disciplined. And so when you think about the round size now, you, you know, what, people from outside and should look at and should think about is where she's swinging for. And, you know, and, you know, I wouldn't get into too, too much detail, but I can tell you that, that based on sort of the traction so far and what this year is probably going to look like, I think people are going to be surprised at, at the types of, of, of revenue profiles among the different things that they do, which is food and climate that uh, grow, grow is sitting on. And so that's going to be the question, right? Can you deliver on this round and can you figure out what you're going to use the money for and the value you're going to create with, the, with, the, with, this, with, this, with this incoming uh, capital? And, and I think that that's, uh, everything sort of works out very nicely. From a practical perspective, um, how hands-on or involved do you see yourself being in that process? So I usually leave that to the CEO, you know, because a lot of venture capitalists always talk about, you know, value add and, you know, and, you know, always how may I be helpful type, type uh, entities. But the, the bottom line is, you know, I've learned a lot in, in venture over the years. And one of the things, you know, I, I've shared in the past has been, you know, being self-aware enough to, to learn how to live well alone. Right. Don't, you know, you know, step away, give the CEO and the team the, the freedom, the ability uh, to, to do what they do, which is possibly the reason why you invested in them, but also know when to step in and, and support. And, you know, I, I would probably say you know, we're very, very, very integrally involved in the, 
in in the process. It was a it was twenty twenty was a tough year for everyone, and and the it, it it had its ups and downs, you know. But in the end, you know, we 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 retained the conviction, which has never changed from the first day we met her, and you know, we'll continue to support her, you know, in combination with our strategic partner TPG Growth. Uh, so I'm sure some of the users, you know, they, your your listeners will know, TPG is also has also announced a climate fund. And so we, we're fully, fully bullish about the ability to continue to help uh, grow intelligence in, in both ag and, 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 and climate. And, and hopefully we, can, we can, can spur, you know, some of the hyper growth that they're seeing so far and, 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 and empower that even, even more. Picking up on um, something you mentioned a second ago about the incredulity about the value versus uh, raising history um, in this scenario and and the comparison between US-based and African uh, companies, we hear from a lot of founders that have raised that the constant explanation or kind of needing to explain um, being an African company is something that comes up quite often and um, the added risk uh, of operating in Africa being being something that uh, regularly comes up. Can you speak a bit um, about how that played out in this scenario and, and how do you kind of counterbalance that when you know you've got a great, uh, a valuable product, which is which is really solid and good, and you've done it for, for less money, so to speak, um, than uh, counterparts elsewhere in the world? How do you uh, argue that point or prove your worth, so to speak? It's an excellent question because I think African founders and, and African investors are always coming to these rooms, uh, what I would call less than zero. The ranking is less than zero, right? So you spend a fair amount of, of these early meetings trying to get back to zero. And then before, you, before folks start to sort of think that you are, you are worthy of, of, of capital or, or support and the like, and and you know you, you run into this a lot, right? It's 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 part of the, the 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 ecosystem, and you you learn very quickly how to how to figure out who's going to be truly supportive and who's not. And you spend you know you really focus on being efficient in that process. But one of the things that I think always helps is African founders, you know, are really sort of more about show show and not tell. And that's going to be the bottom line. They're not, you know, there's, you know, we see a lot of companies who come in and, you know, have these nice, pretty slides who are telling you about the things they're going to do. Whereas you're, you, you are able to normalize these conversations by telling them what you have done. And, and then they can then move into what else you're going to do. And so I think with, with, with Grow as an example, and, you know, probably well, this is true sort of for the rest of the portfolio, um, there, we, we, you know, you, you can you can be bothered. You can sort of sit back and be bothered about, you know, the unfairness of it. Or you say, listen, you know what? When I show you what I've done, um, you know, then maybe you will trust me when I tell you what I'm going to do. And Grow was quiet, right? You know, generally speaking, for five years. You know, and people just, you know, the customers knew. But the investors who sort of came around were, you know, were not that, you know, did not know exactly what they had done. And like I said, going back to that point of credibility, there are a lot of the AI, in quotes, AI companies out there who've raised tremendous amounts of money um, that 
don't have any meaningful products. And products that, you know, can repeatedly do what they say they do. Right? So, you know, if you and grow what grow has done is built and I'm not sure how many how many of your listeners actually know some of the things grow can actually do because if they if they did, they would be quite surprised. I mean, we've talked about this in in other in in other um uh, sort of now the panels and the like, but Grow is able to do relatively crazy things and in an automated way, right? So they can generate insights. They can, you know, they can generate unique yield forecasts. They can tell you how acreage somewhere can shift over years. They can build and offer crop disease models. You know, so they can tell you what regions are suitable for what crops in the short and long run. They can they build rapid response models so that you can figure out what's happening in these markets and how one market connects to another market, connects to a third crop, connects to climate. They can do all of these things and they can do them repeatedly and at scale. And so there's, there's, there's a lot of magic. And I, and I tell this to the CEO, like, this is magic. And that's what you have to do as, as an African founder. You have to show magic, whereas other people may not be, may not be, no one's going to ask them to do that and they'll get some money. So it is what it is, but it means that we're going to, you know, one of the good things about the Grow Intelligence Fundraise is, is to tell the world that we are quite capable of building and delivering magic. As I mentioned at Disrupt Africa, this is the biggest uh, African funding round we've heard of to date. Can you tell me why? Like, why is this such a standout raise and how do we get more of them? So it's a standout raise for a couple of reasons. One, it's the biggest uh, African female founder raise. It's the biggest, uh, I believe, black founder raise at Series B. And, you know, these things take time. That's the challenge, and it's the it's really what it is. You know, I imagine that there will be larger raises, particularly you know in fintech, because you know we'll see, you know, fintech is hot, and everybody's sort of chasing that, and there's a ton of money chasing all these companies. But there's not that much pure innovation in fintech, uh, and the truth is, for the sectors grow covers, you know, climate and 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 food and ag. Uh, there's just not that much innovation, right? So this is an unusual company doing unusual things and raising an unusually sized, large sized round. And, you know, and that's, that's for, for us, we think those are sort of the key things. What will change going forward for other companies? Well, the, the goal will be for companies to raise the right amounts of capital for them to truly scale. And, you know, the size of the round shouldn't be as, as, as helpful an indicator as the potential size of the company. And that's, I think, will be what we're interested in. Can you find an African company that will be positioned to do a billion dollars in revenues in the next 12 to 18 months? That's what we're interested in. You know, can you find an African company that in five years uh, will be worth $100 billion? That's what we're interested in. And so the round sizes are not as, as not as important. The long, mid, and long term outcomes, uh, as recognized by the market, that's more important. 
So is Grow Intelligence going to be Africa's first unicorn? Someone asked that, asked me that, and I said, we just tried to get them to 100 billion. All right. <laughs> it's just to conclude, it's been a funny year economically in general, given the pandemic. But this deal just proves that investors like yourself haven't stopped investing. Can you speak to how COVID has impacted your imp- approach? And do you feel the funding landscape is going to change at all or be impacted over the next 12 months? So that question has come up a lot. Uh, we were kind of active last year. Uh, we were very active on the portfolio management side, of course. But I think we ended the year at 15 or 16 uh, uh, deals. So we were pretty active. And I think that's true generally of, of a lot of the VC um, you know, sector. A lot of people were kind of slow the first half of the year, but you know, got confidence and, and the like. And the truth is the pandemic did, did accelerate the growth of uh, quite a few companies. Uh, so they, you know, as you can sort of see that in, in, you know, in the public markets of the companies that go in IPO and the like. So the pandemic certainly changed, changed the world for these companies and in a positive way. And the combination of of more of the impact of digitization on traditional offline behavior, uh, plus the you know the I think U.S. Treasuries you know money printers going burr, um, and the search and the actual persistent search almost a hunt actually for yield, you know suggests that uh, high risk high return. Uh, opportunities such as venture uh, should continue to get, you know, sort of refilled really uh, this year and probably even more. And then the, the final thing is because a lot of these these companies that you know, were was born and funded early on in the in the twenty so tens and the like have started showing up, going public, and generating liquidity. There's going to be a significant amount of recycled money coming back into into venture, and so. You know, this year should, be, unless there's some major thing, I'm not sure how much more worse a, uh, anything other than the pandemic could be, except the sort of long-form, you know, pandemic. I expect that there'll be more investing. And, you know, people are now beginning to do more stuff in Africa. Africa has become more interesting to U.S. VCs and European VCs. Um, you know, so they, we expect more, more of that. But the truth is that Africa is still struggling on the homegrown VC side. There's just not a lot of them. And and that's a challenge. I, I wish we could, you know, wave a wand and 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 speed up the process. And so, you know, my view is that the, at the end of the year, a lot of the deals that get done, you know, are not going to be done by a lot of the local VCs because those they take forever to raise money, and um, and uh, the international VCs are probably going to be the ones stepping in and and writing the checks. All right. Thanks so much, Agosa, for talking to me. It's been really great to hear your insights on this. I enjoyed it. Thank you very much for having me and and, uh, best of luck with the rest of the year. My name is Vincent Edigin. I'm the CEO and co-founder Trendemy.com. Trendemy is helping people acquire useful and demand vocational and technical skills from the best schools and masters in Africa. 
We have built a system that creates the best schools so people can learn online and offline and access physical tools and equipment to practice and bring the craft to life, as well as opportunities to make money from their newly learned craft. We are looking forward to having more collaboration, partnership, and funding, seed funding of $500,000 so we can scale this product to more cities in Africa and sample more uh, categories of, of skills. We believe the increase in entrepreneurship, local production and manufacturing will definitely solve a lot of problems facing Africa today. But it starts with learning because first we learn, we create and then we grow. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Disrupt Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Please remember to let all your friends and colleagues know that they can listen to the podcast on any of their favorite podcasting platforms. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy the African Tech Startups Funding Report 2020, and we'll see you again in two weeks' time. Bye. Bye.